Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, hi, and welcome to another Bullet Points episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn-Awardner, and in this show, I want to talk about something that I'm actually, I'm just going to say it, I'm really pretty apprehensive to talk about it. However, it's one of the things I am asked about most, and not speaking about it so I don't potentially offend someone means I'm not doing the right thing by the person who I could potentially help by making this show. And so genuinely, I've gone back and forth about whether to create this episode, but as soon as I realized it would have helped me a couple of years ago, I became convinced it was the right thing to do. So I hope I hope you're okay with that, but this is what we're, we're going to do. I'm going to talk about the incredibly subjective topic of weight loss. Now, the hugely damaging effects of diet culture aside, the goal of losing weight is a common one. An Ipsos survey at the start of this year at 2021 revealed that 45% of the people of the of people globally are trying to lose weight. And before I go any further, so we know a lot of people are doing it, right? We know a lot of people have it as a goal, rightly or wrongly. But before I go any further, let's discuss the fact that the body confidence and body acceptance movements have created a new space for the discussion of our bodies and how we feel about them. And I know I'm going against a lot of their principles by even making this episode. And that's not because I disagree with them, I don't. So I want to clarify something. I know people who have been through, fought and battled their way back from the brink with eating disorders, like people who've really fought for their lives. And I am not minimizing or diminishing their experiences whatsoever in talking, or it's not my intention to, in talking blatantly about weight loss. They absolutely have a right to raise the alarm and point out the things in our culture that can lead to behaviors that could turn into eating disorders. They are literally shouting iceberg because they can see what's coming and they don't want anyone else to go through what they went through. And I celebrate them for doing that. And I completely agree. There are so many images out there in the world that can lead people to compare themselves to someone else and feel inadequate because they don't look the same way. And what is so life-affirming about this new space, and by new I mean it didn't exist when I was in my formative years and was wondering why I couldn't look like 
Tiffany Amber Thiessen from uh, Saved by the Bell, is that it's showing people just how manufactured and unreal those images are and why it's such a nonsense to compare yourself. Plus, there are so many incredible content creators out there showing us what is normal. So they're not being airbrushed. They are showing us the reality and why we shouldn't compare ourselves to those ridiculously glossy images and why actually probably what you're looking at in the mirror isn't bad it's just completely normal so just love it anyway but perhaps in this incredibly positive process we've demonized the desire to lose weight and now talking about it can actually be seen as unhelpful or triggering triggering no triggering sorry I'm talking around Invisalign it's not my intention to be either of these things I don't want to be unhelpful triggering or triggering but um but I think one of the fundamental things is to interrogate why you want to lose weight. If it's to look like someone else or to fit into a particular clothes size or be a certain weight, then it's worth checking whether any of those goals are realistic. Obviously, looking like someone else is a fool's errand. Be yourself, boo. But if you're uncomfortable in your own skin, want to be more physically capable, agile, fitter, healthier, and not have not worry about your health in the long term, then personally... Uh, I think that seems like a, a perfectly acceptable goal. Obviously, check in with your doctor. We all know that that's the sound advice before you begin any kind of regime. But as someone who tried and failed for many years to lose weight, actually, I've got that completely backwards. I went through cycles of successfully losing weight through diet and exercise, but I couldn't maintain any weight loss because the way that I ate when I wasn't on a restrictive diet meant I would usually end up about 30 to 40 pounds heavier than I wanted to be. Now, there's a lot of information out there that would have you believe, but Emma, that's your weight set point, which means your body wants you to be that weight because it's your optimum. Well, I respectfully disagree. Set point theory states that our bodies have a sort of preset weight baseline hardwired into our DNA. So according to this theory, our weight and how much it changes from that set point might be limited. So you could have a goal weight that work that you work towards, for example, but if it's lower or higher than your set point, then to some degree, your body will work against what you're working towards to get you to its hardwired set point, not your goal weight. That I understand. But I think this idea has been misused and actually corrupted a little bit in recent years to explain why someone who struggles to lose weight, to explain why someone struggles to lose weight. So Emma, you're not losing weight because your body wants you to be this weight. And I'll be honest, when I was 30 pounds heavier than I, than I am now, I did have people say that to me and it was really seductive. Such a seductive proposition because it took the pressure off. It was like, God, oh, that's my set weight. I don't have to, I don't, I, no action required brilliant but deep down to me it just didn't make sense because when I was at that weight I was short of breath when I bent over to tie my shoes I had to I found the summer months really challenging because I was sweating all the time and I, I like to hide myself in clothes and I didn't have to do that I felt slow I felt sluggish I felt uncomfortable and generally I genuinely felt bad and it's very difficult to describe how I felt but have you ever needed to like get out of a room when a lecture's happening or a lesson's happening or something or and you're sort of trying to do it as quietly and almost as invisibly as possible and but maybe you've got to squeeze behind a chair and make yourself a little bit smaller and you're sort of usually sort of squeezing through that space while saying sorry and apologizing for the fact that you're even there just trying to make yourself physically smaller that's a very crude description of how I used to feel all the time too big for the space I was in and trying to minimize myself whilst apologizing constantly now, we've discussed on this podcast how I read the book Brain Over Binge and how that gave me a new insight into how I was eating. 
and the fact I knew I was eating too much but felt powerless to change that but as soon as I did my weight changed and just to clarify it wasn't a diet there was nothing restrictive about it it was about paying more attention to when and how I was eating and realizing that a lot of that a lot of it had nothing to do with my being hungry so that to my mind throws that set point theory that I mentioned a minute ago out of the window right because as soon as I stopped eating too much my weight changed but hang on I just said something there that might set someone's teeth on edge. I said that I was eating too much. And this is where we get into the muddy territory of metrics, because in recent years, weighing yourself has become taboo. In fact, about four years ago, someone said to me, just stop weighing yourself. It's really unhelpful. You're better off taking measurements with a tape measure to get a sense of where you're at. But for me, stopping weighing myself, what it led to was me sort of existing in this place of denial because I stopped weighing myself. I had no idea where I was. And so because I had in my particular case this issue where what I would eat when I wasn't dieting would mean that my weight would go up obviously my weight went up and then when I got back on the scales it was a big big shock and the biggest thing that changed for me was when I got on the scales and realized I was heavier than I wanted to be did I spiral did I think about restricting my food did I start to sweat and panic yes to absolutely all of those things I I actually even had a cry but actually a little while ago when Gillian Michaels came on this podcast she said that you should see the scales as a compass and that's it. Now, to clarify, if getting on the scales could derail your mental health, then please don't do it just because I'm talking about it. But for me, it was the reality check I needed, which is why I wanted to share it here. Julia Samuel came on the podcast recently and she talked about emotions and extremists are normal. And if you have an extreme emotional reaction to something, it doesn't mean that you're wrong. It's your body trying to tell you something. And so even though I did have an extreme reaction to that number on the scale it was the thing that I needed I'm not unique and I'm sure there is someone listening who feels like I did and just wants to get on their way towards not feeling the way I did and it's uncomfortable to say this but if that's you and if metrics won't hurt you then they could be helpful however just like a compass as Gillian said they just tell you where you are but perhaps give you a better sense of where you want to be or in my, or in my case definitely gave me a sense of where I don't want to be I saw that number and I thought well I do not want to be here but we do know that weight isn't a perfect metric by any stretch of the imagination. We also know that BMI is outdated and doesn't give a clear picture of where you are. I'm five foot four, but I'm not, sli- I'm not of slight or slim build. So if I went to my GP and they weighed me, they'd probably encourage me to drop some weight. And I would ignore them and go about my day because the work that I've done over the last couple of years with food and exercise would suggest that I'm doing okay. And also I've been maintaining a weight for 12 months and I'm actually not really sure what I could do much more to lose any weight other than perhaps engage in unhealthy behaviours, which I ain't doing. So, and I wouldn't think they were fat shaming me. I think they were judging me on a metric that doesn't favour my particular body composition. And that's where other measurements like bone mass, fat percentage and, and other things come into play. But that's going to overcomplicate things. So let's get back on track. I created this show because I'm asked daily on Instagram and via email how I lost weight. And for those people, I want to share this advice. But to be clear, I am not telling anyone who is listening to this to lose weight. But enough of you asked me for me to feel it's appropriate to share what worked for me and what I think might be helpful for you to hear. Because I just think, would I would this have helped me if I'd heard it two years ago? And I keep coming down to the fact that, yes, it might have done. So the first thing is metrics. There really isn't a perfect metric, but for me weighing myself so I could get a sense of where I was worked, it was the reality check I needed to be able to take action. I didn't have a goal weight though, I had a goal feeling, but I knew that that feeling would come when some of the physical weight I was carrying was gone, and it did. 
Weighing myself and seeing the numbers change was a way just to show myself I was progressing, just so I could sort of check in and again, using it like a compass. Yep, I'm heading in the right direction. That's it. I'll be really honest with you. I've been a good 15 pounds lighter than I am now. And I don't care. I really don't care. I don't want to strive to get there because where I am now, I feel good and I feel comfortable. The second thing is being honest with yourself. I would honestly say that one of the toughest things I had to do was say out loud what I knew all along but wasn't really prepared to admit with my own personal weight issues. And that was that I had no one else to blame but me. But I didn't know how to change. I didn't know what I, I didn't know why I couldn't stop. I didn't know why I felt this sort of weird addiction and controlled by food. And I read the book Brain Over Binge, but if you're in a similar position, please don't do what I did because actually I was talking to Alex Light recently and I've come to realise that actually sort of going it alone, which is my my want to do, wasn't wasn't perhaps the best way of doing it. And if I could go back and change anything, it's that I would lean on resources like Seed and Beat here in the UK who specialise in helping people with eating disorders. Because here's the thing, what I was dealing with, and I've talked about it before, I've said binge eating disorder, and then I've said, well, maybe it was binge eating disorder, or maybe it was just a tendency to overeat. Maybe it was emotional eating. I'm not really sure what the classification is because I haven't spoken in depth with an expert, but just, just know this, binge eating, compulsive eating, and emotional eating are the types of eating disorder that affect most people. Right, So more people are affected by those eating disorders than anorexia nervosa and bulimia. And they go hand in hand with things like low self-esteem, low confidence and low self-worth. And they are psychological illnesses and help is available. But the thing that's so sinister about those particular types of eating disorders, which are which affect more people than any other eating disorder, is that they can be dismissed or written off as you being greedy or having a lack of self-control, which is horribly incorrect and unfair. Now... If I used to dread going out for dinner, I used to dread, I used to hate being in a room with a buffet. I used to not want to eat in front of other people because of what they may think, and those were all kind of signs that there's 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 something here that you probably need some help with. So if any of that resonates with you, then please lean on the resources that can help. There are resources, like I said, like Seed and Beat, who are there to help you and have experts in this space who will be able to guide you towards the right resources for you. The third thing that helped is I didn't focus on a goal. So don't focus on a goal, focus on a feeling. As I said earlier, I've successfully dieted and exercised my way to a lighter body many times, but it was sustaining it that I couldn't do. And the shift in my approach when I tackled it this time around is that I took it day by day. I was much, much easier on myself. I focused on eating in a way that supported my goal, that was both rational, healthy, and nourishing. And I celebrated that, not where I wanted to get to. It might sound really obvious, but if you're not enjoying or appreciating the process, then once you hit goal, then what's your incentive to keep doing it? What's your incentive to change? And again, the change wasn't about restriction. It was about changing the action and not, in my particular case, uh, eating because of emotions or whatever else. Another thing that I would say is uh, don't expect results overnight. You know, the whole, the whole thing, um, don't, uh, don't, I've forgotten the analogy now. There's a hare and a tortoise in there, but you know, slow and steady wins the race, but understand that you're playing the long game and that's okay. And actually sometimes slow and steady is really good. I think someone, I saw something on social media where somebody was complaining about the fact that they, their weight loss is really slow. And someone said, but if you lost that weight every month for the next 10 years, you'd be dead. And even though that's quite depressing, I thought, actually, that does kind of put it into context a little bit. It is still getting you closer to where you want to be. But anyway, and then the fifth thing 
And I was listening to a podcast and I was chatting to a friend about this the other day, is sabotage, the icky topic of sabotage. Now, one of the other things I did this time around, uh, meaning two years ago, is I didn't tell anybody that I was trying to tackle my own issues until I was well into it. I remember going out to dinner with my family and just sort of saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I've lost a stone and just sort of very quietly saying it And because I, I didn't want anyone to know. But there is, it's proven, there are, there are studies that show this. It's been proven that if you're trying to lose weight, it's best not to tell your friends because on some level they may try to sabotage you. Has anyone ever said to you when you've been trying to lose weight, oh, you're, you're losing too much weight, you need a proper meal or anything like that? Sabotage, my friend. And I've written a note here, Jean-Paul Gaultier, because uh, back in the day when I was working on the magazine, so this must be about 12 years ago now, I uh, went on a very well-known global diet and started to have really great results. And some people in the office noticed, but it was one of those things where um, nobody said anything. And one of my frenemies in the office came up to me with a proof of a page. I'd been to Paris. <laughs> Sounds very bougie. I'd been to Paris to go to a Jean-Paul Gaultier show and I'd had my picture taken with him. And I, I was obsessed with Jean-Paul Gaultier when I was in my teens. So I, I just looked bug-eyed and so excited in the picture. And this frenemy in the office just said, oh yes, I've been noticing that you've been losing some weight, but gosh, you look so gaunt now. And it was really showing in your face. And I remember just thinking, God, what a sucker punch. So just remember, no one wakes up in the morning wanting you to succeed more than you, or they certainly shouldn't. So don't worry about what anyone else says to you, especially if it feels like a verbal paper cut. Keep your goal in mind. Do it for you. Don't do it for anybody else. And you're accountable to you, no one else. So please don't think I'm not aware that conversations like these can be upsetting or triggering for people. And please know I weighed up talking about this a lot. I went back and forth many, many times. But there might be someone out there who finds this helpful and the need to help that person or knowing that I have what I think is information that can help that person. I have to be honest, it overrode the need not to offend someone else. Um, so I hope that even if this isn't applicable to you, maybe it's maybe it gives you an insight on what perhaps someone else is going through. I know I was chatting to friends the other day and someone said to me, but it was always really obvious that you were uncomfortable in your own skin and it kind of burned for a bit afterwards. And I thought, God, that's so true because we were talking about how we know plenty of people who don't even think about it, who just don't even think about their size, whether they're whatever, whatever that. And I just sort of think that's kind of, that's such a freedom. And if that's you, more power to you I'm, I'm jealous but in a way if you're listening to this and maybe you have never understood that friend who says who sort of comes to a party and complains about their clothes not fitting or complains about how they look or asks if they look a certain way in an item of clothing know that maybe there's a lot of this sort of layered stuff going on and maybe hopefully it just gives you an insight into what that person might be dealing with which again might be helpful for you and it might be helpful for them and if this is helpful then please let me know I'm going to put something on social media I'll put something in the Facebook group so please comment below and let me know if this kind of content is helpful or if you rather I hadn't talked about weight loss. Um, the links to everything I've discussed will be in the show notes. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. You can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns, but I will be putting a discussion thread in the Facebook forum. And again, the link to join that is in the show notes. You do have to answer a couple of questions to join and agree to the forum rules. And then once you're in, you're in. And I can't wait to see you there. Thank you so much for listening. I hope there is someone listening out there for whom this has been really helpful. 
and uh, supportive and has pointed you in the right direction and that's all I could wish for thank you so much for listening I'll see you on the next one When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.